Hello, listeners. Welcome to podcast number. What is the. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> Hello listeners, welcome to podcast number 75, would you believe? And today I'm joined by Rachel. Hello everyone. Heather's not here, where is Heather? No. Where's Heather gone? No, Rachel? Heather, it's quite a funny story. Hev has gone to the class factory in Germany to see combines and tractors being made. Right. Which will, she'll be absolutely love it because she loves factories. But the funny story is, Farmer Phil has always wanted to go and never got the invite. <laughs> but who gets the invite? Yeah. Hev from Wiggly Wigglers. Yeah, yeah. So that's where she is today. So of course Phil's gone along as well. He'll be like a little boy in a sweet shop. Oh yes, yes he will, See, absolutely. He'll be there. Combine he, harvesters. Oh, he'll be over the moon. Absolutely over the moon. But I, I, before before I came up, I just did a quick little recce on the internet to see what he could have for his money. Right. And just a quick one for you, this is. Yeah. Um, I, I found a class Lexon 580 combine. It'll The output of it is one kilo of carpet fibres, Axminster carpet fibres, per square metre of carpet, and he can have it fully boxed for £12 on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Superb. So what's he bothering to go Superb. there for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, well, I, I've got no idea why mm. he'd want to go yeah. there anyway. He, but, uh, he can even get a tractor, a class tractor afterwards, to bail up the carpet fibres. Yeah. <laughs> so there. Excellent. Yeah, so they're, so they're away. So when, when are they coming back? Ah, they're due to be back Thursday evening. So we've got the run of house tonight. Um, did you manage to get all the party invitations out? Yeah, got the party invitations out. Sam's getting all the uh, beer in yeah, tonight. Yeah. She'll have Monty in bed out the way and yeah, then yeah, party yeah. on. So are we, all, are we all responsible for cleaning up tomorrow morning or uh, well, get some helpers in? Oh, I don't know, really. <laughs> I think we probably ought to get the jelly off the walls and, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the drink off the oh, ceiling. Yeah, and... We better not talk about what happened last time anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Gosh. So, Rach, yeah. what have you been up to? Now, the last time you, uh, you and I were talking about things, we talked about Buddy Bird didn't we a while ago bunny and squirrel burgers and then you made some lovely lovely squirrel burgers for us and we ate them and robin paid did you listen to that podcast i did i listened mm. to the podcast and they thought that they were great didn't they on they the did. podcast they did and, and they were they yeah. were truly uh, genuinely i ate them and even michael enjoyed them as well i think he did they the, they were tricky little burgers to make they were because getting the meat off a squirrel is quite tricky you know yeah, you have yeah. to spend ages with your little knife carving away to get the little bits of meat off and yeah. when you do chop it all up but i made up some breadcrumbs with some brown wholemeal bread some spices salt and pepper mixed it all together and that's all they were basically yeah. and they loved them they, they did and they were they were very nice heather was moaning about them repeating on her a bit but i think she emptied a whole container of schwartz mixed herbs on hers yes and i think i think probably yeah yeah oh there was one thing i missed out some onions i put some onions in them right. too it was very good. I mean, I'd definitely eat them again, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd definitely eat your burgers again. Oh, thanks, they're, they're probably one of the tastiest burgers <laughs> yeah. I've ever feasted on. Well, if you skin and cut the meat off next time, I'll do some more. But okay. okay. <laughs> oh, right, but right. The, the time it took to take the meat off was 
Oh, it just took ages. Mm. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I mean, I, I was just looking out the window now thinking what a fantastic day it is. And, and I know as country folk, we've seen lots of changes, early changes this year. I mean, spring has sprung quite early, hasn't it? Like Michael said earlier on, spring isn't officially for another six weeks yet. No, no. But it does feel like spring, doesn't it, now? It does, yeah. I mean, this morning, I actually heard my first dawn course this morning. Right. Yeah, the birds actually woke me up. So, I mean, that, really? this is really early, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, every evening when I go home from work, I walk the dogs, and on my way up round the banks, I've come across bumblebees out yeah. and about. Yeah, so. there's a lot of bumblebees, and they, they've suddenly, this last weekend, I've seen lots and lots of queens coming out and really sort of hovering low over the ground, looking mm -hmm. for places to set up their colonies for yeah. the year. But oddly, I saw a worker bumblebee on the 16th of February wow. on some rosemary in the garden. It's only a, a really little tiny guy. Now, whether or not that guy had hung on in, in the colony somewhere right through the winter or whether the queen had emerged early and set up a colony in January, I don't know. But it's really interesting stuff. And, yeah. But to see a lot of queens emerge suddenly over the weekend, is, yeah. I think it's not a bad thing as long as we don't get any yeah. hellishly cold weather. I was going to say, what happens if we get a real cold snap now? Will it upset the system or what happens to them? It's all about fodder really and, and available forage so as long as they've got plenty of food and, and it actually if you look around the garden there's quite a lot of stuff that's coming out and emerging now that there's a reasonable amount of pollen and nectar available for them so hopefully they'll do okay and I know as I mentioned before bumblebees are one of the luckiest insects because they're able to generate a bit of their own body heat so they can manage to propel themselves through some of the coldest weather even if they've emerged through from uh, hibernation. It never amazes me when I when I look at them every year it's such a fantastic thing to see the, the buzzing about and you can hear yeah. them yeah. and you're looking and you're, and you're watching them trying to you know trying to get into little, various little plants and rosemary mm. and bits and pieces in the garden. Yeah we've got one particular tree that is a willow tree and they just all seem to just hover around there and the noise that comes from it you know them buzzing and bumbling around this one tree yeah. is just amazing you yeah. know it really is yeah yeah fantastic the one thing i was going to ask you rach that i didn't ask you the last time you know you just <laughs> sorry to pull that sort of face <laughs> what's it going to be because you you've been here at wiggly's for many many years haven't you yes and funnily enough i spoke to a fellow the other day he said oh, wiggly wigglers he said yes i i knew those when they first started he said i remember seeing two girls set that up didn't they two girls and he's obviously referring to you and hev how many, I mean, how many years ago was that? When did you start? Well, it's difficult for me to actually put a date on it because um, I used to screen print logos on club and business ties. Mm. I used to do quite a few for the uh, Royal Andalusian Order of Buffalo Lodges. Right. And so they, they would have these lovely logos and I'd put them on the ties. Right. So I did that and I only did it part-time. Heather said, oh, come and work for me part-time as well. Right. So for quite a few years, I did the only part-time, you yeah. see. Yeah. What was your role here then when you, when you well, first started? Well, she, she was just at the point really of moving from Preston and Y, the bank it was called, the house, yeah. to Lower Blakemere Farm. Right. So I suppose one of the first roles was setting up an office here at Lower Blakemere Farm and then converting one of the stables into a work area and you know getting the benches in there and everything and one of the first things I can remember doing were potties right. <laughs> and potties were um, basically um, elephant poo 
Right. Um, we went to Chester Zoo one evening thinking, oh, Chester Zoo's just <laughs> up the road. Yeah, no yeah. problem at all. We picked my daughter up off the school bus, think we'll pop off and get some elephant poo. Oh, my God, Chester Zoo was miles. And so we got there with the trailer, and elephant poo is enormous. Yeah. We come back Strangely, with some yeah. elephant poo about 1 o'clock in the morning. My husband had a fit because the daughter wasn't in bed and it was school the next day. But anyway, we're moving on to Wiggly Wigglers. We mixed lime granules with it, and then we made these little circular balls, about the size of a golf ball, and then we put a little tag on them and called them potties. And you put them in your plant pot, and as you poured water... Oh, sorry, we baked them. Right. We baked them so that they were crisp and dry. Right. And <laughs> this was quite difficult because some of them just fell apart when you baked them. Yeah. But anyway, the one you had to just cook them really slowly, and then they baked dry. Right. You then put the potty in your flower pot, and every time you watered your plant, you watered over the potty, and it released the goodness into the plant. Right. That was one of the first weird <laughs> wow, things. And wow. so you bought potties as a pack yeah. of six. So people actually bought that yeah, crap. They... <laughs> Elephant poo crap they bought. <laughs> oh, they were great potties. Oh, superb. Uh, yeah, superb. Great. So that was... One of the first jobs <laughs> I did at Wiggly Wigglers. <laughs> yeah, and yet you still came back. You yeah, strangely it, enough. Year on year. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, was, that was several years ago now, wasn't it? That is quite a few years ago. Um, and also, I can remember not only making these little golf ball signs potties um, we also sold them at Christmas time with little plastic holly leaves on them and called them Christmas potty puddings <laughs> and that, oh the other thing I remember is Valentine's ones right. we did hearts so we bought little cake cutters of the shape, shape of a heart and we made them out of those too and so, sent them as Valentine's Day gifts nice. and they went down you, a storm really yeah. good lord what do you think if you got a heart shaped piece of <laughs> From, from your partner husband. Great, thanks very much. They yeah, loved it, it. they is loved this, it. Is this all I mean yeah. to you? Oh dear. I probably they were sent to the ones that were dumping their man or woman at this time of year, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So so I mean I'm just hoping history is not gonna repeat. Yeah. And no, decides no. to, to uh, yeah, you know, go and go and yeah. harvest a load more no. elephant dump. Uh, but it turned out the potties were very time consuming, so Oddly. E economically wise, I don't think potties were right, right. very good, very yeah, good for yeah. the business. So, no, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, but they were well, lovely. I, but I suppose it set a precedent for all the weird, wonderful shenanigans that, yeah. that, that, that kind of go on here. Quite. Uh, but of course, you were upstairs. I mean, the first offices were up in the top of the house, weren't they, originally? They were, yes. Up in the um, bedroom, uh, we converted the bedroom into um, an office and we had one computer. It was probably one of the first Apple computers that came out. Wow. And we all stood and stared at the screen for ages, yeah, yeah. wondering what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, you country yeah, folk. Yeah, <laughs> then we bought another. And, <laughs> and wow, we had two. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yes, wow. it, it start, yeah. that's the way it started off. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in Heather's bedroom. The, head, the bedroom built up to about five people order processing and then we decided we'd outgrown the bedroom and yeah. we've got to go yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. down to the converted stable block we went yeah absolutely and uh, and of course that's where we are now yeah it's lovely down there it is lovely uh, the guys are doing a fantastic job on the new on the new barn aren't they i've just walked in there and they've, yeah. it, it's a it's an oval shaped typical sort of corrugated tin roofed it um, is yeah barn, i don't i don't know whether inside. you yeah i don't know whether you spoke to this 
about the list to the listeners before, but we're having a new barn converted for dispatch. They've outgrown their stables too. Yeah. So they're off to a new barn here that's being converted for them, which is lovely, light and airy, so much space for all those parcels to go out from. So the, the new barn, apparently, so Michael's uh, just informed us, is on the back of the new catalogue. Yep. And, and I think that we've got some sort of interesting new things in the new catalogue, aren't there? And there's a couple of things that people might be surprised to see. We've got some humane traps. We have, yep. We've, we've this, got yeah. some humane traps for this catalogue. Mm. And um, I think you've had a, a word with all members of staff about how they work and yeah. what's going to happen with them. So yeah, uh, yeah, how did that yeah. go? Well, uh, pretty good, I think. Uh, I think there was, a, there was a, a slight puzzlement amongst our team why we were selling things to catch animals in but uh, on balance i think we decided to sell these humane traps because it's a way of encouraging people not to use poisons and to use a, a means of, of humane capture if they're if they're being plagued by squirrels or rats or mice and it's you know it's a perfectly reasonable way of, of catching these animals so that's why we're supplying them ultimately to address the balance and i, I managed to, to tell the guys in the in the office because obviously they're bound to get inquiries from people you know about how to dispatch the creatures that they catch because interestingly if you catch gray squirrels it is an offense to release them alive again back into uh, back into well back into the countryside back into anywhere you live and, and, I, and i think in effect there are only there are only three ways of legally that you can kill things the first being to you know, get an air rifle or something and pop them off in the in the cage the, the second which is a bit of a bit of a juggling act is to empty the empty the creature into a hessian sack or something in a in a dark hessian sack and then give it a wrap across the head, and, and so that you know that's going to be a little bit tricky I think. And the yeah. third is to is to ring up the vet to see if they they'll be prepared to put them down. Mm. So there are only three legal means of being able to dispatch the creatures that you catch. Long gone are the days where you could you could get your caged rat and, and throw it into uh, into the water butt to drown, which yeah. you know is a slightly unpleasant way to go. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's important the customer has the choice, isn't it? Really, it is. I think it is. And uh, interestingly, we've we've had people ring us up and been completely disgusted by the fact that we sell squirrel feeders. And I think what will happen is people will probably ring in and ask us why we're selling traps but at least if we're able to explain and there are genuine reasons for us being able to, to sell those things so uh, so yeah so that's that's it but i'm looking forward to the new catalog because yeah. there's a whole bunch of new bits and pieces yeah, yeah. And Heather, you and jody have been out there about, um, sourcing new products like mad and they're there yeah they? yeah they are they are <laughs> a, i think there's a few more goodies to go in the next one as well robin page's book right did you get the chance to read i know i know uh, we, we bought a few but we're going to supply robin's book now did you get the chance to look at his book I didn't. No, I haven't had a chance to read his book, but I would love to read it from cover to cover to gauge what he said, because yeah. I actually did see him talk at an event that I went to um, at Cardiff Castle. It was very good. Right. Very good, very controversial, but yeah. uh, very good. So I'd love to read his book, and I will read it from cover to cover. It's it's very good. I, I've read it. It's, it's a very easy reading. It's the sort of book you can pick up and just read in a couple of evenings, no, no problem at all. But there are various elements of the book that uh, captured my interest, you know, something that I can really uh, relate to. He talks about otters in, in, in one of these sections. I'll just read out this little bit of a section. Otters have been an obsession of mine for years. As a boy, I walked through the brook banks on the southern boundary of the farm several times a week and spent hours sitting close to an old waterside tree that fishermen claimed was a halt. But I saw no sign of that elusive, whiskery face. I shed buckets of tears when reading Henry Williamson's classic Tarka the Otter, but the otter remained an animal of fiction and of Tunnicliffe's wonderful woodcuts. Later, when writing my first book on country sports, The Hunter and the Hunted, I went out with two otter hunts, but by then Mink and Koi Pew had become the quarry. 
clever scientists and ignorant politicians had managed to wipe out virtually all the otters in England and Wales through the irresponsible use of pesticides. Silent spring meant silent for birds and animals alike. Interesting stuff. I, I, otters are definitely making a comeback now. I've seen several pairs right the way along the river, right the way along our river, the Wye. Yep. They tend to be quite elusive. They're, they're mostly about at night, but you do see them on the evenings, early mornings and whatnot. And I've seen them when I've been fishing. Mm. I've sort of dog otter pop up. I was using the uh, live bait when I was pike fishing one day and a big dog otter stuck his head up right by the float. To, you know, he'd obviously yeah. seen the bait and thought, well, oh, that's, that's kind of peculiar and come to see what was on the other yeah. end of the bait. But absolutely beautiful animal. And interestingly, where Tarka the Otter was filmed, you know, where he's walking through the the uh, the, the, the mill, the the, yes. the 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 uh, the wheel, the wheel and whatnot, and being chased by the hands. And I worked on that fish farm, head mill. Yeah, my friends, a couple of my oh. friends are still down there in North Devon. Yeah, I worked oh. down there many many years ago. Uh, yeah. Robin Bower owns it now. Um, bought it. Oh gosh, it must be probably twenty five years ago now. Lovely, lovely bloke. A couple of my friends are still there. So yeah, great place to work. Um, North Devon is beautiful. And there was a program on telly not so long ago. A, a guy had sort of traced the traced the footsteps of Tarka. And made a superb programme. Really, really beautiful. One of the uh, the classics that the BBC come up with occasionally. So yeah, so lots of lovely little extracts in there. It's a, it's a, this book is all about the life of a simple countryman, a simple countryman that has issues with government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He did and, have and, issues uh, at his yeah, talk that and, I listened and, to, and, <laughs> uh, and various ridiculous policies. So well worth reading, and um, yeah. I'd, I'd definitely recommend that to anyone. But yeah. what I'll do is I'll bring my copy in, Rach. I think I said yeah. before to bring your copy in. Have I'll have a read of it. I've only got one comment, and that is that an otter was spotted at Brevardine Bridge. Really? And that was back about mid-January. Right. Somebody spotted one there. Right, right. So, so yeah. obviously they are, they are right through about. the river. I don't right know through. anybody who spotted an otter in our bit of the Y, but there was one spotted there. Mid-January this year, 2007. You can often tell them, um, you can find their sprints. It's kind of, they're often positioned on the top of a, I don't know, like a molehill or something like that. They, they kind of have a, have a oh. poo on top of them, on a, on a molehill alongside the riverbank. They do it. Yeah, something, they, they try and poo in a really conspicuous place, really, so in a, in a sort of yeah. way of marking out their territory. They're ter- yeah, they're territorial, aren't mm, they? They are territorial. They have, yeah. they have quite large territories. Fish that they've eaten, they've got the amazing ability of skinning them like a concertina. The skin is actually pushed right back towards the tail. So you, you'd see this thing with a skeleton and then just this, you, you can literally pull the skin back over the skeleton. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic way yeah. of feeding. Very clean, very tidy yeah. way of feeding. But again, they're opportunists. They'll yeah. eat all sorts of things. They'll I was going to say, more are they fussy? Because yeah, uh, <laughs> the salmon are on the way up for the Y now, aren't yeah. they? So I wondered if yeah. you know, they go for anything or they, do they? They do, they, they they do like a nice bit of salmon. Oh. Yeah, definitely. So that'll give um, the Y Foundation something to think about when otter populations start to boom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, we've got some feedback. Heather's, uh, again, uh, well, perhaps slightly foolishly, uh, given us a list of things that we might like to consider. Yeah, which and we once again... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ev. <laughs> uh, but one thing, uh, one thing on here, we've got some feedback. This is uh, from a guy called Martin Grant, and he says, "Sorry to say, but for once, Richard is correct." Mm, in- interesting, interesting <laughs> way to start. You like that bit, just the, the, the bit. <laughs> yes, Richard it, is correct. Uh, that don't is you? <laughs> uh, in an accurate introduction, I should say. <laughs> Uh, copper does deter slugs. Gardening on a heavy clay, about 220 metres above sea level, slugs have always been a problem in my garden. I, th- I think they're 
they tend to be a, a problem in, in, in most people's garden. I have tried nematodes, crushed seashells and other barrier methods, but none seemed to be effective. I tried stick-on copper tape, but this was only slightly better than nothing at all. However, copper rings, which you put in place around the plants, have proved very effective and are an attractive addition to the border. Yeah. Copper rings, brilliant. Be, Copper uh, rings around your be, border. What would, would be really that? good, Martin, is if you could send us a, a, a photograph. If you can give us, send us a photograph, email um, either Rach at Wiggly Wigglers or Heather at Wiggly Wigglers or Richard at Wiggly Wigglers and just uh, let, let us know what those copper rings look like. I don't know whether it's something you've made yourself, but I'd, I'd be really keen to know. But it's interesting that he talks about copper tape being useless and copper rings being really useful because there is a real conflict with this whole copper thing. People, Some people say it works a treat and others, like Jenny for instance, have said that it, it's completely ineffective. So, yeah. and, and I've found that it does have some use mm. in the garden. I've never tried it. I do grow hostas, not loads of them, just a few pots of them because I like the leaves on them. Um, but they, of course, attack those like bilio. But I try the Slug X trap. And I find that brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Right. It, the only problem with it is it uses so much beer. Right. You know, you're putting pints and pints of beer in it. Um, yeah. And I've tried just water. <laughs> I don't like that. You can use just, you could yeast, mix yeast with water. Right. Because it's the yeast that they're after, really, which is why bitter ah. and real ale works better than lager. Yeah, I can so try if that. You, uh, if you just mix a bit mm. of yeast with water. But that's every cheaper. night uh, I'll catch slugs in my slug eggs. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, and yeah. I move it around so then it's not always in the same place. It tries to, I've only got one, and I move it around and I try and catch every one <laughs> in them. Frugal range. Yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> Absolutely. You don't, yeah, I don't want to buy too don't many. Don't overdo it. Gosh. No, definitely not. <laughs> What's your garden looking like now? Have you started your spring vegetable um, patch? I, I dug it over, over the weekend, this weekend, and um, got out all the weeds and things out from it. But it's a little bit, we, we've got quite a bit of clay soil, so it's a bit cloggy still because right. we did have a lot of rain right. and so I've dug it over I'm le just letting it dry a little bit right. um, before I can actually dig it over again and get a finer tilt to yeah. put the seedlings in yeah I need to incorporate some manure in it and we've yeah. got plenty of well more, rotted manure so a lot more organic um, I yeah. went to see Chris Beardshaw do a talk last Friday yep he's very good uh, he talked for, for a couple of hours in fact which is it's quite an achievement to be able to keep people interested you know yeah, talking for a couple right. of hours. but I, I go I go to these talks because it's you know sometimes you can pick up a few tips techniques and things like that but, of course. I, but there was there was one there's there a couple of little bits I, I picked up from it but interestingly he was waxing lyrical about the use of organic material and leaf litter and manure and whatnot in waste and he was saying it's something that I do pretty much every year and I, I try and get lots of leaf litter well rotted leaf litter and just spread it out on the beds and what you find is in the spring it's pretty much all gone because all the worms have dragged it down into the soil oh. you know, um, and they feasted on it. And you get a lot more worm life, a lot more worms cast if yeah. you provide the food for the worms. But yeah. also it's nutrifying, yeah. it's equipping the soil with an ability to hold moisture much more effectively than something that you, that you don't improve. That's a good tip because there were loads of worms in there. Mm. There are absolutely loads of them as I was digging it over yeah. and there loads of worms. So I might try that. There's a movement now for no-till, but no-till has limitations, I think. Mm. But... What I do is always put a load of muck on the vegetable patch in the, in the autumn yeah. and then just let the worms do their magic, work their magic right through the year. And yeah, I, I probably yeah. should have done it that way around, actually. I, was, I have no excuse not for doing it because I have loads of manure. So uh, yeah. that's what I probably should have done. But now I'm going to have to go and wheelbarrow it from the muck heap and, you know, so as I can get my potatoes in fairly soon. So. Right, right. 
Do you, do you, you know, with your horse manure rates, do you ever separate the manure that's that's um, come from horses after they've been wormed and the manure that hasn't? No, we don't. The thing is, with the horses, when my daughter Gemma mucks them out, she just throws the muck into the cow sheds. Right. So we don't actually have a separate pile okay. for horse manure. So because horses are very wasteful, and um, so there's a lot of straw in the manure as she's you know forking it out she tries her best to only fork out the, the muck but yeah. it's very difficult of course when you've got a wet patch you have to muck that out too so the cows are right next door so she just throws it over the gate into the cows yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. the cows will sort of tread it into their manure and then the sheds are mucked out maybe two maybe three times a, a, a winter right, so right. it all goes out into the field then where it's left to rot yeah i don't really have two separate piles or anything like that it's an interesting one some people do separate it you know they'll for sort of five or six days after the worms have been uh, yeah. the, the worms have been horsed. I was going to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the horses have been worm. They'll put their their manure to one side and then use the other stuff um, for improving the garden and whatnot. Yeah, I think probably because it's been diluted down well with the cow manure. Mm. You know, because when they, you go out in the field, there's great big piles of cow manure ready to spread on the field. So the little bit that she's putting out there is going to make no difference at all. There are pet pet poo converters. Have you seen those those products? But it's like a composter you can use. Just put all your pet poo in your, yeah. your cat and your dog feces and yeah. stuff. That's kind I of a fairly that. unpleasant thing to use. Uh, I, I think would, it probably is. I would think. But um, we, we, we've had a couple of inquiries recently as to why we don't we don't supply them. But I think um, it's almost self-explanatory why we don't yeah. supply them. But, no. but uh, <laughs> very but pleasant. In Australia, they seem they seem particularly popular. But some people have used them, and if they've put their their pet feces in there, the pet feces from um, from an animal that's just been wormed, then of course it, it kills all the worms. So they're you know these these the composters like our can of worms really are exclusively geared around the, the worms eating the yeah, waste, yeah. breaking it down. I think um, probably if you're working on a, in a confined garden, that's probably a good thing to do to put it separate. But as I've got such a vast area to mix it in with. Um, I, I don't think it makes much difference at all. But right, um, right. you know, if you have got only a small garden and, and you don't want to put your wormed dog poo in with your composter, I think it's probably quite a good idea to keep it <coughs> separate just yeah. for that short period of time yeah. until it's the worm has gone through the dog. Yeah, <laughs> just in thought. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we'll leave that. I think I've got to. Uh, I've got to get off now. I've got to go and try and finish off my job at uh, Kingsland School. Yeah, you're you're Kingsland School. You've been there all week. What's happening there? Well, it, it, they had a they had a wildlife area, only a relatively small. They call it a wild. They call it a conservation area, in fact. Um, and it was an area that was completely overgrown, very dark, very little life there. In fact, they, they had some ridiculously huge ornamental trees that were excluding all the light and, and all the other life as a consequence. So I've moved things around. But it looks... The head came out to me yesterday and said, Richard, Richard, you're absolutely fantastic. So I thought, <laughs> I must have done something right. More I, Richard Fraser, hooray! Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> so that's always good. That's something, something I don't get here. So, so that, <laughs> oh, Rich, we should dedicate the podcast to you. <laughs> not that I'm fishing for compliments. No, no. I've managed to kind of weave some nice log-bordered bark chip oak chip paths down into it and down into a teaching area and surrounded it with some some beautiful wildflower turf and today i'm going to finish off with some uh, some nice riparian and, and uh, some some wetland plugs and we'll plant some lovely red campion and violets and bits and pieces in the yeah. shady area and get some oxide daisies and knapweed in the sunny spot so so um in uh, in three months time they're going to have 18 inches of 
animation divided by these lovely beautiful paths. I mean, it's only a relatively yeah. small area, but the paths are leading to it, to the log pile and the compost yeah. area and the teaching area. And the, the pond, the, the frogs have settled in quite nicely to the new pond that I made, which is good because there were literally hundreds of frogs in the existing pond and I had to scoop through and sift through all this detritus to get all the inverts out and everything else all I right. could see. Yeah. And obviously I put some of the um, some of the detritus back into the yeah. new pond as well. Any frogs born there yet? A tons, Rach. There really? Are, there are containers full of stuff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Great. Gallons and gallons. Yeah. of it so um that'll be good and then there's a couple of guys going to come and do some um, some paling fencing you know like the palings we've got down here at mockers park just down yes, the road they're lovely. Um, for the listener mockers park is a national nature reserve and it's a, a stunning place full of very old oak trees but it supports a, a really diverse array of life including lots of stag beetles have you seen a stag beetles around there? I haven't, no. Um, they do have walks around there occasionally, and I mm. must get myself on one. So I I'd like to go happening. on one, Rach. Yeah. So perhaps, perhaps you and I, would, we could yep. get, get together we'll later on. Friday, Rach. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out when it is, and we'll go for a walk in the woods. That would be cool. <laughs> okay. Well, something to look forward to. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So what, what, what have you got for the rest of today? The rest of today, um, well, we are... Chock a block today with orders for sorting out orders of bouquets for Mother's Day. We've been inundated with orders and we, we can't take any more, unfortunately. But what customers have been doing is phoning up and having them sent uh, Wednesday today for delivery Thursday. So they, they want them early because they still want the wiggly bouquet because really? it's such an original idea. Yeah, yeah. And they're even wanting them sent Monday for Tuesday after the Mother's Day. Right. So, you know, right. um, we're sorting out the orders for those wow. and, and wow. getting out the general orders, you know, for the seed and the composters and everything. So we are absolutely chock-a-block here at Wiggly's. Excellent. Well, fantastic. Well, listener, all I can say is uh, enjoy this beautiful balmy weather, um, balmy spring weather, and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again next week. So it's goodbye from me, Yeah, Richard. and it's goodbye from me, and hopefully Heaven Phil will be back next week. Bye. Bye.